Hey guys, I'm so super excited about today's show, but before we get started, I want to make an announcement. Today is my birthday, and so as a birthday treat for all of you, thanking you for being loyal listeners to me, I wanted to run a special this month. So for the entire month of May, if you want to try my monthly membership, Awaken Your Magic, it is just $10. So for $10 for the month of May, you can enroll. You can see how our master classes go and our group card reading. And if you don't like it, you can cancel it at any time. If you do like it, then you can re-enroll for $30 a month. So don't miss out. $10 a month. Amazing deal. I hope that you will join us because we have so much fun. Our group is an amazing and safe place where you can find support and we uplift one another. You will not want to miss it. All right, check it out, guys, and now for today's episode. Hey, guys, welcome to the show today. I am super excited that we have with us today Dr. Alan Leica, and he is the author of the book, The Secrets to Living a Fantastic Life. Who doesn't want to live a fantastic life? I know that you all do, and so do I. So I cannot wait to dive into this conversation today where he's gonna tell us how to do that and a little bit about how he learned to live a fantastic life himself. So let's get started. Welcome to Awaken Your Inner Awesomeness. I'm Melissa Oatman from melissaoatman.com. I wanna welcome you to the show if you're new. If you're returning, welcome back. Welcome. Thank you for being here with us today, Dr. Leica. Thank you, Melissa. Thank you for having me. So I always just like to ask our guests to give us a little bit of background about who you are and how you got started, first of all, writing your book and doing all of the fantastic sure. things that you do. I was a leading cosmetic surgeon and I did a lot of cosmetic surgery, so I took a break in February of 2013, uh, 2003, and I was walking with my wife in Disneyland, the happiest place on earth. My wife turned to me and said, what's wrong with you, hon? And for once in my life, I hadn't said anything wrong. I hadn't done anything wrong. I hadn't even thunk anything wrong. So I was taken a little bit aback. What do you mean, dear? She said, listen to your foot. I said, what do you mean, listen to your foot? That's a funny statement to say. Well, my, my right foot had suddenly and mysteriously developed a right foot drop. It came out of the blue and my, fat, my foot was slapping on the pavement with each step I was taking. Slap, slap, slap. And so there was something wrong. And I said, dear, I don't know what's wrong. She said, did you have a stroke? I said, dear, you're a doctor. I'm a doctor. That's not how strokes present. She said, okay, well, when you get back, you better get this checked out. Now, when your wife tells you that, that tone of voice, Melissa, what do you do? Better get to the doctor. You better get it checked out. So I saw dozens of doctors. I probably said, saw hundreds of doctors. They did CAT scans. They did brain scans. They did MRIs. They did scan scans. And you know what they showed at the end of the day? What did it show? Absolutely nothing. And when a doctor sees absolutely nothing, he wants to do more tests and more tests and more tests. And so I probably had a billion dollar workup back then. And, uh, and at the end of the day, it still showed nothing. So I was referred to a neurologist. A neurologist is a brain doctor. He's the doctor that's supposed to have all the answers. And I was referred to one of the best in the world. So I was happy to see him. And so I walked in and I said, hi. He said, hi, 
you better be sitting down when I tell you this. You have ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease, and in six months, you're going to be dead. Get your affairs in order. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Hit me like a ton of bricks. I said, is there a way to prove this diagnosis? He said, of course, on autopsy. Nice. That's reassuring for you. That's very reassuring. And I said, well, I'm not going to die to prove you wrong. But you know, when you go through something like this, Melissa, you, you go through a, a theory, a, you go through the stages that Elizabeth Kubler-Ross wrote in her book on death and dying. You go through anger and you become very angry at the world. And I was angry at the world. I could bite the head off nails. And I was amazing. It was very, very angry. You go through denial. You know, there's nothing wrong. I know there's nothing wrong. I, but I had a right foot drop. So there had to be something wrong. Uh, you go through bargaining. Oh, God, please don't let this happen. I'll do anything if you don't let this happen. And then you go through depression. And depression's probably the worst. Those are the dark days where you stare at the ceiling, not wanting to get out of bed in the morning and just wanting the days to end right then and right there. There's no meaning, no purpose. You can't eat, you can't sleep. It's just black, everything's black and gloomy. The last phase of Elizabeth Kubler-Ross is acceptance. And I wasn't going to accept a diagnosis that I knew was probably not right. And so I went to my wife and I said, dear, uh, do you have any idea what's wrong with me? And she said, I haven't the faintest idea, but she said, you're smart, you can figure it out. Well, I said, thanks dear for the vote of confidence. I just saw hundreds of doctors and they couldn't figure it out. How could I figure it out? Well, I had friends that were nerds back then and something new was invented back then. It was called the internet. You ever hear of that, Melissa? I think I've heard of it once or twice, yes. Yes, yes, I think. Uh, Mr. Gore invented it or something like that. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> yeah. So the good thing is, uh, back then, there was some other ways to find out what was wrong. We didn't have Dr. Google back then. We didn't, didn't have Dr. Yahoo back then. But we had dial-on connections. So your phone could phone another phone and get on the internet. And dial-on connections were very primitive. They went, your phone went on the cradle and it went, ria, ria, ria for something like 15 minutes and finally it connect. And then you had to communicate with the other side by a language called DOS because their computers had no memory. They really had no functionality. So you had to use every little bit that you could to get any meaning. But as I said, I had some friends that were nerds and they were able to help me search the net. And I was able to find some wonderful things. And I found a doctor in Colorado Springs, Colorado by the name of David Martz who had a story very similar to mine but he got worse much more rapidly. And he was on his deathbed when doc and doctors from around the world were coming to say goodbye to him because he was a very well-known hematologist and everybody loved him. Well, Dr. Harvey came up from Texas to say goodbye to David. And he looked at David and said, David, there's something wrong with this picture. I don't think you have ALS. I don't think you have Lou Gehrig's disease. David was very weak at the time. So he whispered, what do I have? The doctor from Texas said, I think you have chronic Lyme's disease. I think you're bitten by a tick and it's left a chronic neurological illness that mimics ALS. And he said, if I'm right, I can make you better. And within two weeks, David was like Lazarus arising from the dead. 
He was dancing. He was doing all the things he usually could do. So I knew I had to get in touch with David. And I phoned every hospital in Colorado Springs, Colorado. And I got in touch with them at the Methodist Hospital. You see, a doctor can find any doctor if he phones the hospitals and tells them that he's a doctor looking for a doctor. And he, I was able to get in touch. And David and I talked for hours. And he said, can you come down and see me? I said, I'd love to win. He said, right now. Well, it was our Thanksgiving weekend in 2003. And I said, David, I can't. My wife's just invited 50 people over. He said, well, aren't there any planes in Canada? <laughs> he wasn't going to let me off that easily. So I got on a plane from Denver to, from Edmonton to Denver. It was a beautiful flight, about two and a half hours long. And after that, I got on a little rinky-dink flight from Denver to Colorado Springs. You ever been on a rinky-dink flight? Yeah. Yeah, they're really puddle jumpers. And this one was really challenged because at the end of the day, the heat comes off the desert and it causes eddies, which means turbulence. So the plane would climb 100 feet and then it would drive down 100 feet. Then it would climb 100 feet and then it would drop another 200 feet. So it was like the drop of doom of Disneyland over and over and over again. It was really a challenge. When I got off the plane, I crawled off and there was David on the tarmac to meet me. He said, Dr. Leica, you don't look so well. And I said, David, I don't feel so well. He said, well, it's just a metaphor for what you've been going through in the last year. And I said, well, you're right. And we talked for hours and he some, said some miracle words. He said, Dr. Leica, I think history is repeating itself. And I think I can start you on treatment and make you miraculously better. And he did. And that's why I am still alive and thriving 18 years later. I'm doing everything that I could. But you know, when you go through something like this, you're very grateful that you've had a second chance. You've been given a golden ticket to do things better. And so I've started to give back. I've started to look around. And that's why I wrote this book, because I found 13 golden pearls that everybody has inside themselves. Do you know what causes a pearl to form, Melissa? A little bit of irritation, sand. Yeah, a little bit of grain of sand gets inside of the shell of an oyster, and it irritates the oyster, it traumatizes. It. And so the oyster, instead of being traumatized by that sand, it literally makes a golden pearl. And there are special golden pearls that exist. They exist in the South Pacific. They're beautiful. A single solitary golden pearl costs upwards of $10,000. But these golden pearls that I found are on each and every one of us. And each of these golden pearls are there for everyone to shine. And they're just even more valuable than the 10,000 South Pacific golden pearl. I love that. So your goal then and mission has been to help people find the pearls within themselves. Yes, and that's where I think everybody should get a copy of my book and listen to this podcast because there's so much that I can share with you on these golden pearls. You know, there's 13 of them and they start with love and they end up with empowerment and they're and all the way in between. Love is probably the most important golden pearl because it's something that we can give to everyone. You know, love is an amazing thing. It's one of the few things that we get more by giving. Isn't that something special? Mm -hmm. And the Greeks actually discovered seven types of love. And they're all listed in my book, so I encourage people to look those seven types up and to develop them more. Another important golden pearl is giving. 
giving to others. And if you give to others, you get more back every day. It increases the value of your life. And I challenge your audience today to do something for somebody else that they would not regularly do. Go and give to the food bank. Go and give something to your neighbor. Knock on their door. Give them a smile. Tell them a story. Do something for them. You don't only have to give money. You can give gifts of time. You can give gifts of effort. You can go mow your neighbor's lawn if you so want. You can do little things for people. And it makes so much difference for everybody's day. Absolutely. Uh, we talk a lot on my show about manifesting and people hoping to be able to receive more love in their life or to receive more abundance. And one of the things I just did an episode about was if you want to receive, you have to give first. Yes, if you want to receive, you have to give first. And that's something that's very important. And I think all of us, by giving, we get more than we ever give. I love that you've taken an experience that was traumatic and painful for you, and you've chosen to turn it into something positive that helps others. And I think that we need more people out there doing that. So I love that you've written this book. Well, each chapter of my book has a little story in it, too, that begins that story, the chapter, and it helps you to understand what the meaning of the chapter is. And there's over 150 quotes from world's experts in there on each one of the chapters, so that each one can really find a deeper depth of meaning by reading the book over and over and over again. I love that. And how long was your journey to get well again? How long did it take you once you had gotten this diagnosis that the first diagnosis was not correct and you saw this other doctor, how long did it take you to get back to- You know, it took me a matter of weeks, but you know, I don't think I'll ever be perfectly well. I have a dropped right foot and I have a right arm that's weak, but the good thing is I've been able to compensate. I'm now left-handed and my left hand is better than my right hand ever was. So the good thing is that what I'm left with is something that was better than what I had before. So how long did it take for me to get well? Well, I don't think I'm ever going to be well. But the good news is I've learned how to adapt. And I want everybody to realize it's not what happens to you. It's what you do with what happens. That's the fundamental uh, meaning of my book. And I think it's very important for people to realize that. It's not what happens to you. It's what you do with what happens. Yeah, you're so right. And we know a lot of people who, if they lose their sight, for example, then their hearing becomes that much stronger because they learn to depend on their other senses when they lose one or more. And I think that's just a, a testament of people's will and determination to make the best with what they have. Yes. And I think part of what we do as when you go through something as traumatic as what I've done, there's this overlying want to give back. There's this overlying need to give back and to have people have a better life as a result of what you've gone through. So people can have a life more abundantly by reading my book without having to go through the trauma that I've gone through. Yeah. I think that the insights that you share in this book will help a lot of people because I know there are a lot of people out there who 
no matter what it is you're going through, there are people out there who still want to play the victim and, and still are in that mindset of woe is me and, and staying focused in that area and get stuck in that grief process. They get stuck in some of those stages instead of being able to move forward. I think a person has to be 100% responsible for everything that happens to their life. You know, none of us wish COVID on anybody, but you know, we still have to be responsible for every day that we live with COVID and we have to go through and do things right. You know, I think the world is going through a mini trauma right now where they're going through anger, they're going through denial, they're going through bargaining, they're going through depression. And the, the big thing they have not done is accepted what's going on. And so they need to move to that phase of acceptance and start to move forward. And that's the only way you can do this is take baby steps every day, take a little baby step forward, do something to make your career better, do something to make your life better, just a baby one. And at the end of 365 days, you will have 365 steps to move forward. Yeah, I agree with you on that. I remember when we first had to go into quarantine and I thought, oh, what am I going to do with all of this time? So I took one area of my house and I thought, you know what, I'm going to make this just a little bit more beautiful by, you know, I'll hang some pictures in this room or I will get a new piece of furniture for that room. I just did one little thing here or there that I could do that would make it just a little bit better. Yes. And that's all it takes is one little baby step moving forward every little bit makes a little bit of difference and that's all you need to do and your world will be a better place as a result of it. Absolutely. I think that's what it's all about for sure. And so in writing this book, how did you come up with the idea that you wanted to create this book and you just started writing it? Because I know so many people are like, yeah, I've got a story to share, but then they never write their story. Well, I had a little bit of help. I had a co-author by the name of Harriet Tinka that helped me out a lot. Harriet was an amazing lady who um, had a life similar to mine, but yet very different. And when I started to give back, I sponsored an event called Women of Distinction by the YWCA, in which we honored women in our society. And Harriet applied for an award called the Turning Point Award. You see, Harriet, um, was a very beautiful model in New York City who decided to leave the modeling career and become an accountant. So she started to study accounting at the University of Calgary. She met a very evil person there who ended up kidnapping her, stabbing her and leaving her for dead. So she, she applied for this award, which she ended up winning. And then she said, Dr. Leica, can I buy you lunch? And I said, certainly you can buy me lunch. She said, you know, we must write about our story so that we can help others get a better life. And that's why we ended up writing about our story. It took us 13 years to write the book, but it took a, but it's well worth it for anybody. And it became a bestseller in the pandemic of 2020. Wow, that's amazing. She sounds like she is an amazing person too, with an incredible story. And I know that you had mentioned that you wanted to gift our listeners, your book, that you were going to uh, send a link that they could go and 
download a free copy of your book, which is so generous. Yes, all they have to do go, is to go to secretsbook.now.site forward slash home. Secretsbook.now.site forward slash home. And they can get a copy of my book digitally. And it'll be free and they can read all the wonderful stories that we have in it. And I'd like to share one of the stories with your listeners. Is that okay, Melissa? Absolutely. Well, there was a carpenter by the name of Fred, and he had worked for one company for all the days of his life. Over 45 years, he worked for that one company. And at the end, he was tired. He didn't have the enthusiasm anymore. So he went to his boss and said, boss, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. The boss was taken aback. He said, Fred, you've built every house in, their, in our construction company. How can I let you go? Could you do one more thing for me before you leave? And Fred said, of course I will, boss, anything. I've loved this job. It's the only job I've ever had. Well, the boss said, can you build me just one more house? Only you can do it. You're my master carpenter. Please build me one more house. And Fred said, yes, I'll do it. But he did it begrudgingly. He didn't have the enthusiasm that carried him all the years in the job. In fact, for the first time in his life, he produced shoddy workmanship. And he only worked two hours a day, whereas in the old days, he worked 20 hours a day. But a miracle happened, and the house passed inspection. So he went back to the boss and said, okay, boss, I'm done. Here's the keys to the house. The boss said, just wait a minute, Fred. We're going to have a party. And he called everybody in the office. They had the champagne. They had the caviar. They had it all there. And he said, everybody, I'm going to give a little speech. He said, Fred, this is your last day. You're going to be very happy. I'm going to be very sad, but I'm glad you're going to go on to something that you like to do. And he said, here's the keys to the last house that you've ever built. May you live it in it with all the enthusiasm that you lived all the days of your life. Now, the reason why I tell you that story, Melissa, is this is what it's all about. Enthusiasm is not a Monday thing. It's not a Friday thing. It's not a Wednesday thing. It's something you do every day of your life. And that's the game changer. It's the changer that makes everything happen. It's the thing that makes the world a better place and makes you a better place and person as a result of it. Bring that enthusiasm to everything you do. As Mohatma Gandhi said, if you're a street sweeper, make sure you're the best street sweeper you can be. And that's the amazing thing that you can do every day to make the world a better place baby steps. And remember, it's not what happens to you. It's what you do with what happens. I love that. And I love that story. And it's very true. We do have the tendency to have Mondays where maybe we're not our best selves because it's Monday and we're dreading that it's Monday. Or Fridays, we're so excited and happy because it's Friday. Instead of celebrating every day, like there's something special in every single day that makes it worth living. So I love this story. I'm very glad and I'm glad that we could do that and share that with you and make it a better place and make everybody have a better place that way. Uh, I think if everybody spent every day doing the best they can, the world would be a better place. And I would like to also share with you that I'm doing a special event for the Edmonton Food Bank on May the 6th, which is a gala performance. At that event, there will be special prizes. In fact, a person can win a $2,500 uh, 
uh, pendant and a pair of earrings. And um, if he, the sign up for this is spring, spring into the future dot event dot ca spring into the, the future dot, e, dot eventbrite dot ca spring into the future dot eventbrite dot ca it only costs ten dollars to join and there's going to be some wonderful entertainment there's going to be some wonderful people there uh, there's the karate kid that's going to be there a smoothie star there's going to be a professional basketball player and there's going to be a lot of entertainment. So I encourage everybody to come out there. It's at seven o'clock Mountain Standard Time on next Thursday, May the 8th, May the 6th. Uh, please come. You might win that wonderful prize. Well, I'm going to put the link to that and also the link to where they can download your book for free into the show notes. That way, if you're listening to this while you're driving or you just don't happen to have a pen or anything handy, you can just go to the show notes of the podcast and click directly on it and it'll take you straight there. But thank you for sharing that event with us and again for being so kind and generous as to um, offering the free download of your book too, because I think it's going to help so many people. Well, it's my pleasure, Melissa, and it's also my pleasure to be on your show today. I hope I've made a difference for somebody out there. All I, If I make one difference in one person's life, that's all I care about. I love that. I say that all the time. That is my mission statement as well, is all it matters is if you make a difference in one life. And I am positive that you have. And so we thank you for sharing your wisdom today. And thank one you. of the things I like to ask my guests, too, which I always think is interesting because we get so many different varied answers. But if you had one piece of advice that you could offer our listeners today, what would that be? I'm gonna say it again, it's, it's a simple word of advice. It's not what happens to you, it's what you do with what happens. Remember that. Uh, if you're given lemons, you can be complaining about the lemons you're given or you can make lemonade. I would much better, better prefer that you make lemonade than complain and mope about the lemons. Exactly. And it's really all about perspective. When you look at how much you have, know that you could always have less or there could always be much more wrong. So always being grateful for what you have, I think is key. You know, the poorest of us in North America have far more than anybody else in the rest of the world. So we are much better off. Think of how, how, how we are gifted and how wonderful the lives we live. You know, that's what we should be grateful for. Absolutely. There's so many places where people don't even have access to running water, or clean water, or to a proper meal. And when you think about all of the things that you do have, instead of complaining, oh, I'm overweight, I don't like the way I look, grateful that I got to eat today and I have enough food and I'm going to go to bed tonight on a full stomach, not worrying about where my next meal is going to come from. It's all about perspective and how you look at things. Absolutely. Remember, it's not what happens to you. It's what you do with what happens. I love that. And I want to thank you so much for being here with us. I wish you much great success in the future. Thank you, Melissa. And thank you for having me on your show. Same to you. Have a fantastic life. 
Thank you, and you as well. And I want to thank all of you who are listening to us today. As always, if you like this podcast, please subscribe. Please leave a positive review from wherever you're listening. And you know, the best compliment you can pay me is to share my podcast with others. Also, don't forget to follow me on social media. I go live Mondays at 630 Central on Facebook, where I do a free card reading. And if you show up for the live, I'll pull a card especially for you. And if you want to work with me, you can go to my website, melissaoatman.com. There you'll see all the services I offer, and you can purchase a session with me directly from my website. I hope that you guys have a beautiful day from wherever you're listening. As always, I am sending you so much love and light, and I will talk to you soon. Bye, guys.